Hello and welcome back to another Thoughtful Christianity podcast with Jay Broom. What's crackalackin'? I was trying to think of a good adjective for you. Hmm. Indescribable. I was trying to think of what somebody who bears a lot and I all I could come up with is a unbearable. No, I a pack mule. I all I could come a up with is unbearable. Burden. And I just thought in my unbearable co-host, Jay Broom. That's right. Classic. <laughs> on the, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm the stingy guy with uh, you know I'm, I'm the heel, the villain. I, the bad I was cop. thinking long, long suffering. I think is what I meant. Man, but no, Those but are unbearable two words. No, yeah, I think I'm happy with unbearable here. But to some news, some some glorious, glorious news. Thoughtful Christianity is now offered on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and. For all of you cool kids out there, Spotify. So you can listen to us on all three of those. Meaning, for those of you who use the website, don't. It's much harder to access. Uh, so if you've got an iPhone, you can use Apple Podcast. If you don't, you can use Google Play. And if you have either of them, you should use Spotify. Now, I say all that. At the time of recording, we have not been formally accepted on either of those platforms. But I've been promised that within the week, by the time this is posted, they will be. So send us a uh, notice on the website or if you have our numbers or our emails or whatever, just notify us if there's a problem. We are provisionally on Apple or uh, Spotify <laughs> and Google Play. So they tolerate us. Mm. Just like most of our listeners, probably. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. So, Jay, fanfare aside, though, I think welcome fanfare. This, I'm glad to be on Apple Podcasts. I'm glad to be on Spotify, Google Play. I'm just going to keep saying that throughout the video so people will know by the end, like, oh, I think that they're on Apple it's Podcasts. Embedded. Yeah, uh, pretty sure that they're on Google Play, maybe even Spotify. We're running some Jedi mind tricks on y'all. <laughs> These are the podcasts you were looking for. I did not have sound as cool as everyone. <laughs> I was super excited. These are the podcasts. But let's go ahead and get into the video because I know it's a tasty one. It's one that... The video. The not video, yet. yes. No, not yet. Though, maybe, maybe soon. Uh, maybe if we, uh, we get some, some interest in the podcast and, some, and, we, and we make Alex do more of our dirty work, then yes, we'll have a video. Maybe. Shout out to Alex once again every episode because he is a producer who does this as a labor of love, whether or not he loves it. So shout out to you, Alex. You're the man. Getting into the podcast. What are we talking about today, Jay? Talking about knowing God's will. Will. God's will. Just like the cheesy pickup line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're talking about it because I think well, we both have identified this as something that a lot of people seek it out, right? They seek to know mm -hmm. it. They want to. But also a lot of people we know, including ourselves, primarily ourselves, maybe go about it the wrong way. Yeah. Or can fall and do some some traps that I think we want to identify and uh, provide some some clarity, perhaps. Yeah, and I think at the outside of the video, it's good to say like, "Hey, this is course correction, not rebuke." Like, this isn't us saying like, "How dare you want to know God's will?" It's instead like, "Hey, I think that this way is the best way of knowing God's will." Like, I don't think you're doing this in a helpful way. Just like, you know, it's not it's not uh, taking people to task, of course. And we're obviously making a lot of assumptions here because there's not an actual way for us to know how many of these things that you do, quote unquote, correct or incorrectly. So despite how casual and friendly we appear, we don't actually know you. That's right. Actually, we probably do. Honestly, we're not actually your friends. <laughs> no, we are your friends. We are. We care about yes. you. We care about you. That's why we do this. But yeah, no, I think this is an area where, honestly, I feel like nobody, nobody even like, I never even got a question about this stuff. Going through my life for a long period of time, and I think I had a miss, a, a bad interpretation of what this looks like, about what God's will actually looks like. And yet going through life, I was not presented with anything that led to questions for a long time. So that leads me to assume because I heard people talking the way I talked and I heard people saying the same things I said, you know, like that kind of stuff and thinking the ways that I was thinking, I'm going to assume that this is a, a pretty prevalent issue or problem. 
And I, and I think I'm fair in saying that, you know, this is a big deal. Yep. And this whole topic perhaps presupposes or starts out with a baseline assumption that God has a will that is defined in that he has a plan. Like we talk about God has a plan for our lives. Mm -hmm. That's um, something you hear frequently in church or amongst Christian circles. And Jeremiah 29, 11, represent. (laughs) God has a wonderful plan for your life. But um, a plan to prosper. (laughs) That's right. Um, But and not to harm. He all right. I'm done. He has a plan, right? That we can know it, and that by seeking it out, we can get closer to it or farther away from it, right? Like it's a defined thing that we as Christians want to pursue. Yeah, I mean, it's God's. I think plan's really the best way because will gets really kind of like hard to define, especially because in English and in other languages, actually, even in Greek and Hebrew, will specifically Greek, uh, will can mean a lot of things and it can be used in a lot of different ways. I mean, the future tense in English is literally, I will. Uh, and so it can be kind of difficult. Plan's a great word. I think we should use that more often of like, hey, God, God wants something from your life. He wants specific things from your life. He wants you to do and be and say specific things. And the question that we're going to wrestle with today is how do we know that will? Uh, and how do we go about obeying that will? I think the like you know those are, are those probably primary questions. Yeah, no, um, I think you're they're good questions. I, I don't know. Yeah, they are primary, <laughs> secondary, tertiary, whatever you want to call them. But yeah, that's true. I think it's also worth saying that again, maybe to belabor a point, but Christianity is not a insur- It's not an insurance policy that mm-hmm. you purchase and you know, all of a sudden you have free reign to kind of do whatever you want knowing that you have, you know, your savior in your back pocket when you need to, you know, pull out his card or whatever and give him a call. So yeah, again, there's, there's a will that he wants for your life that again, we can either, we can be more attuned to or more correct or closer to it or farther away from it. And I think maybe that's even another motivation for this podcast is to say, Hey, like people that are well-intentioned and are doing this incorrectly may actually be steering themselves away from it in some instances. Yeah. So let's talk at the beginning. What is God's will? Yes. Bingo. Because that's what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. We define our terms. Mm. I love this podcast. Like, what does the Bible teach us about God's will? Well, there's two of them. Ooh, too complicated for me. I'm out. There's two. Well, we talk about God's will in two different ways. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good way of saying it. What the text bears out. What's the first one, Josh? What's the one, which one you want to talk about first? Uh, let's talk about, so it's the controversy, even though it shouldn't be a controversy because it's wonderful and beautiful and amazing uh, and holy, but it's all about sovereignty. What do you mean by that? Well, sovereignty is the concept that nothing happens against the plans of God's will. I just use plan, will, and sovereignty in a definition for one of those, and so that's not helpful. Let me try and rephrase. Essentially, sovereignty is the idea, the biblical presentation, that nothing happens apart from the plan of God, that all of time and history and everything that happens within it is is not accident or coincidence, but the meticulous plan of God. Now, this is not, if you looked at the title, this is not a podcast on sovereignty, and so we can't spend too much time here because I know we'll get into, we'll probably cover an entire different podcast if we got into this. But essentially, one of the first ways that the Bible talks about God's will, and it uses that term will. In Greek, it's, uh, I believe, the lemma. Uh, Hebrew, don't remember the term, but there's a several ones for it in Hebrew. It talks about it as his plan unfolding, nothing being able to thwart it. So, Jay, you're, I see your eyes skimming. Are you looking for a, a specific verse? I'm trying to find a good psalm. because Psalm 115.3. Yes, the heaven... Lord is in heaven, he does whatever he wants, right? That's one of my favorites. Here we go. Psalm 147, starting in verse 4. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked, wicked to the ground. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. 
He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. So again, there's kind of that idea that like God has written all of history Mm -hmm. going to eternity past and to eternity forward. And that there's no deviations from that. Like God isn't surprised that the coronavirus showed up in 2020. Mm -mm. Stuff like that. So that's what we talk about God's will. Like he decrees it. There's a will of decree. He says it and it it is so. But like you said, we're probably going to steer away from that for the time being at least. We do believe in free will. Just saying that. Please don't give us massive angry comments or do. You know, we'd love to hear from you. But it's funny that you quote from that psalm because I, in that paper I wrote on uh, environmental protection and conservationism, I exposited that psalm. But yeah, I mean, it literally lays out that one of the most random seeming things in our world, right? So humans don't seem random. Our actions might seem irrational, but they don't seem random. They don't seem of no significance, right? But like whether or not a, a young lion eats, that's kind of of no significance. One young lion. And yet nature is under the sovereign will. I know I'm in dangerous territory with the uh, conservationists and maybe others. I don't know. But even the most random things are under the, the sovereign control of the Lord. I mean, Proverbs 16 is like the sovereignty proverb chapter. It says, let me find it, actually, because I don't want to quote wrong because I'll get in trouble if I do. Mm-hmm. All right, so the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. That's a really good one. But one of the ones that I always think of is speaking on the randomness of everything. Uh, The lot is cast into the lap. So literally like rolling dice. But it's every decision is from the Lord. I mean, that means that God is sovereign over even the random chance of you throwing a die on the ground and what number it would land on. I do feel this this danger that we're going to get into this and get way too deep into this. I was about to start reining you back in. You should, but just a mention, this extends to human action. It, it has to. Acts 2.23 says that all of what happened to Jesus, the most wicked act on earth ever, happened according to the will of uh, the Father. Genesis 45, where Joseph is in trouble and is, went through all of these ordeals, we see that the brothers meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I think that's Genesis 50. It's actually repeated twice, my guy. Oh, so we're both right. Unless I'm wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. I know it's in Genesis 50. For some reason, I was thinking it's in Genesis 45, too. It might be. Either way, whatever it is in Genesis, the literal quote, I do know that, is what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Meaning that there were two hands on what this actually happened. But that's enough about sovereign will because we don't want to get you like stirred up on this yeah josh just tell me how tell me the girl i need to marry tell me where i want to go to college come on well that's where we're gonna that's where we're probably gonna stand for the rest of the podcast is there is a second will and we're gonna have to ask the question of what does and doesn't it involve jay you use a different term than me what term do you use Um, i'm trying to think there was a point where we had this conversation might have been a while ago you might not remember because I use the term moral pleasure, which is not what you used to say. Uh, yeah, I definitely use a different term. I don't know if I remember that term right now. But Was it declarative will or decretive will or something like that? Decree is like the sovereignty piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh, regardless. Well, well, moral pleasure is what I use. So we'll just stick with it. And it's what God wants. Like his will as in like, mm-hmm. I, I really wish you would do this. Yeah. I'm commanding you to do this. Yeah. And one of the major, like, so what, what separates this from the sovereign will? Sin. <laughs> no, sorry. What separates this point from the sovereign oh. will? What are the differences? How does the Bible using this, the term will differently than, yes, what separates us from the sovereign will is sin. Well, it talks about kind of, again, like when Jesus says, like, love your neighbor as yourself, or I guess that's a Jesus quote. Am I saying It is a Jesus wrong? quote. Yeah. No, that's right. Okay, I, I was making sure I wasn't like some sort of like Old Testament quip that I was like completely misattributing, it, but... It also is. Yeah, okay. You knew it both. Yeah, and it talks about, you know, in First Thessalonians 4, it says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. And we know that yeah. sanctification is not guaranteed for everybody. Like, God wants everyone to be saved. Not everybody is saved, right? Mm-hmm. So again, it's 
you see these instances in the Bible where it's like what God wants, but it's conditional upon, you know, humans can choose to do it or not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's obedience versus certainty. Like, yes. you know, God willed for the exile, right? Which mm-hmm. is an, an incredible thought because the Bible does tell us in detail that he did, meaning that he mo- moved this entire nation to attack and subjugate this entire other nation. And yet when he commanded Israel to obey, they didn't. It's not that Assyria and Babylon were better listeners. It's a different kind of will. The sovereign will will happen. The moral pleasure or the moral will is something that is conditional upon our action. I like that the way you said that. So there's the two types. And we think we want to focus particularly today on the second type. The <laughs> Are you still trying to find that word? You, you said vocational, right? Oh. Well, that's the third will. I mean, that's that's a, that's how I define that <laughs> you were looking at me so horrified. No, that's how I define how people talk about the will today. I don't oh. think it's the moral pleasure. I think the vocational oh. will is the way oh, okay. I use that to describe how people talk about it. I don't think it's right, and I don't actually think it exists. Okay, all right. Because it's well, this idea of calling, right? Vocation means calling. All right, so... That kind of dovetails, though, into what we're talking a little bit about what we're talking about, because we look at God's plan for our lives, right? And we yeah. seek to find it, and we seek it in various aspects. Kind of what I hinted at earlier, right? This idea that, oh, like, you know, where am I going to go to college? Who am I going to marry? Mm-hmm. Where am I going to live? What job am I going to take? What city am I going to live in? Da, 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 da. And so we look for answers yeah. in ways we can get them. Yeah, kids, college, crush, city, and career. Those are the ones I always like to talk about. You just mentioned two. I wanted to give all of them. Yeah, all the C's. Um, Okay. Yeah, well, whatever. (laughs) C, it could be children, right? Or am I saying? It could be. You're right. It could be children. Boom. We'll do children. Yeah, so people, again, earnest Christians say, hey, like, I'm supposed to be submitting to God's will. Like, God has a plan for my life. Like, I really want to find it out. And maybe the crux of the matter is that we seem to observe people maybe going about that the wrong way through the way they talk about it, through the way that they go about it. Yeah. So like what we just described, right? The two wills. One is sovereign secret. Uh, We didn't say secret, but it is secret, right? We don't know what's going to happen next in history, but God does. The moral pleasure is revealed clearly in the word. We didn't say that explicitly, but hopefully it was clear that we believe the moral pleasure, everything that we need for life and godliness is in the Bible. Uh, that's I forget what passage that is. Second Timothy? Uh, I don't remember, but it is in the Bible. Second Timothy 3.16? It might be it's somewhere near there. Scriptures, God breathed and profitable for teaching, rebuke. Yeah. I mean, God's moral will, enough. what he, what he wants for your life is revealed in the scriptures. I guess my point is, when I hear people talk about it, even today, even within this week, I have heard people talk about God's will multiple times, and that is not what it sounds like. So that's why I want to do the podcast. That's why this topic was important to me, was because when I hear people talk, it doesn't sound like those two at all. And if you had caught me seven or eight months ago, that would not be how I talked about God's will. Because let me give you a definition for the vocational will, which to me is this just this way of describing how people talk about it today. God has a plan for the amoral, meaning not the moral, so not doing good or evil, but just choosing between options, the amoral decisions of your life, which you may or may not obey with consequences. So amoral is, you know, chocolate ice cream versus strawberry ice cream at Dairy Queen. Yeah, and... One's not right or one's not wrong. Now, you can make the argument, and I think you should, that amoral decisions can have moral effects and they have to be weighed, right? Yes. So if you go to a party school versus a Christian school, there are moral ramifications to that. But that's not inherently a moral decision. 
what Liberty or, or VCU or UVA Radford or, or wherever. Radford. Yeah. Like that's not inherently a moral decision. Uh, and so that's what we're talking about. Even I feel like people have this idea of, of the one, right? There's one person God has intended her for you. And we would actually agree and say sovereign in his sovereign will, if you're going to get married, he knows about it, but it's not a moral decision to marry one woman or another. Now, marrying a non-Christian versus marrying another, that is a moral decision because God has decreed otherwise. And so, yeah, I think that we've, I think, think we've defined it well, is that it, amoral decisions, uh, it's basically God's got a plan for all of these little things, all of these big things too, everything that's amoral, uh, and you can obey it or you can ignore it, but it will have consequences, I mean, that, I think that we have to stick on that. In people's minds, in the way I hear people talk about it, it'll have consequences. You can be out of the will of God, and that is talked about as like, that's the closest you're going to get to hell on this side of hell. Yeah, I mean, again, there's, there's consequences to going about it the wrong way, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, an approach that I know I've been guilty of before is just the idea that through like random circumstances in my life that God is trying to like send me a sign, right. Or send me a message. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, you know, driving down the interstate and thinking about colleges. And so I look at the college billboard and no, (laughs) I should go there. Or like, or, you know, I got this piece of mail today from the school and I was thinking about earlier today. So must be a sign or a number of those things. Right. So while those are not just like maybe incorrect, again, they do have consequences, which can be bad, right? Yeah. We don't think the decisions are wrong in and of themselves, but the ramifications can be bad. And when your theology is whack, man, like that's a, <laughs> that's a problem in and of itself, right? Like when you think man. you're doing something that's like in, consistent with what the Bible teaches and it's not, then like that's a problem Yeah, by itself too. And I think that... My worry is not even that people will think things aren't sin and and do them not knowing they're sin. My worry is the opposite. I think that with this view of God's will firmly seated in your heart, you're going to think that things are sin that are not. And you're going to give moral consequence to things that have no moral consequence. Moral ramification is different. Remember, I did cover that. Like you're going to be in trouble, right? So we had a conversation, we've had this conversation multiple times where this view we talk about elevates the amoral decisions over the moral decisions. And that that seems to be a problem. Yeah, I think you make a good point because when you do have this notion of the one thing for this and this and this, so I am far from the first person to make this point. And I've heard it much more elegantly explained by pastors and stuff like that to get paid to do this kind of stuff. Repeating people is all I do. So (laughs) game respects Um, game. They talk about, you know, like if you, if yeah, if you treat God's will as this like, you know, single target that everywhere else is wrong and this one place is right. then so if you go to the wrong college, well, then maybe you marry the wrong girl and you have the wrong kids and you live in the wrong city and, how can you ever hope to get and got back in God's good graces once you've deviated from it the first time? <laughs> yeah, where do you go from there? Yeah, it has compounding dangers, right? And nothing else, you know, that like weighs upon you because you're like mm-hmm. worried all the time. Like, oh gosh, like this every decision, like, you know, the, the fate of my Christian life from here on out hinges upon, you know, if I do this right thing and make this right yeah. decision. And you know what makes that even worse? So we got this thing. And again, I identified this not in anyone else's life first. I literally identified this entire system in my own life where I was viewing things through this lens. And so you've got a God, God has a plan for where you go to college and what city you go to and what spouse you have, what girlfriend you have, all of these things, right? So, so he has a plan for those and there's moral consequence to them. They may not be moral acts, but there are if you're out of God's will, if you choose the wrong spouse, you choose the wrong college, you choose the wrong career, like, hey, man, you're you're in a bad place. You're out of God's will. So what makes all of that worse is that it's an entirely subjective way that God tells you about it. I mean, 
that's horrible. So you, so when we teach people, when we talk about will and we tell people this is how to go about God's will, we're setting them up for breakdowns. Not that everyone has one, but we're, we're literally leading them down that road. Because think about it. If I told you, Jay, God knows exactly who you're going to marry, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. I know who it is, right? I know who it is. But you can marry the wrong person, and God, you'll be out of God's will. And I say, now God has laid out 10 signs in your life, and they're going to tell you who the right one is. How do you feel about God in that moment? So he's threatening punishment of some sort. Again, it's never clear. Out of God's will, there's no clear punishment. But he's he's offering punishment, and he has a desire for you, and he won't tell you what it is, and he's hiding it in little signs. To me, that's ridiculous, and that doesn't sound like my God at all. Yeah, no, and I think there's far-reaching consequences sometimes to the the way we approach this. So it's good to kind of drill down on that. Now, perhaps someone might be out there listening and saying, okay, so like I'm doing all these things wrong. Point me in the right direction. And I think that's a good question. So Jay, I warned you ahead of time, so you have no escape. I did warn you. I have a, I have song lyrics that I want to read to you. Now it's a rap. <laughs> it's a rap. And so, Oh that, my the, God. The bad thing about a rap that you just like, don't, you don't want to like put effort into like doing it is that it still rhymes and has a beat. And so like, I don't know, it's embarrassing, but symbols and signs by beautiful eulogy is a slam dunk on this highly. You should start listening to them. You would like them. I don't know if you would like them, but you should like them. Here is the second verse. So good. Yep, are you the kind that's completely consumed by symbols and signs? If you are, that's fine. But don't you find it interesting how most of the time your self-interpreting seems to coincide with what's deep inside your heart's desires? Seems rather convenient, doesn't it? I'm not saying that God can't do it. Not saying that God won't do it. That might very well be the case. I'm simply making an observation of how much weight you place on it what seems to be at stake and how much of your faith is actually banking on it and how much of your mysticism is mixed with your religious philosophic system. Sometimes what we believe to be true from our supernatural pursuits is actually a fluke, a series of events that used to distract you from the truth. And here's my point, though I think that this this verse is a slam dunk. It's, it's, it, it slaps, as the kids say. But I'll give you a sign. <laughs> You're the worst. I am the worst. Here's the last part. But I'll give you a sign that's obvious. One of the most supernatural acts is that God, through his word, has actually revealed everything pertaining to life and godliness. There's this idea that an individual is somehow more spiritual if he sees these signs and symbols and takes what's normally invisible and makes it simple. But I say the mark of a mature man is the one who reads God's word and understands and allows that to govern his decisions and his prospective plans. Like that's like very coherent rapping. Like these are like I know these are like white boy English major or something. I mean, I'm pretty sure they there is at least one white boy English major in that group. But no, it's it's dope. I love that song. But the point they make is really good. Like, what is the true test of of finding God's will? Somebody who knows God's will, I mean God's word really really well, knows God's will really really well. And I mean, I can't, yeah. I don't think we can leave it there, but we, that's a good place. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that there's like a... Jay, are you just taken aback from my rapping? Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm not <laughs> sure how I feel about that. <laughs> um, I knew that he like, was going to get to you. <laughs> I was just going to say, there's not like a fancy answer besides like you learn more about what God wants when you read the Bible. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> um, it's all there. Yeah, and I mean, I think particularly it's easier perhaps to start in the New Testament and read through some of that. Yeah. Where, you know, their letters to these, you know, the epistles are letter, letters to churches where it's like, here's what you're doing right. Here's what you're doing mm-hmm. wrong. So you can pretty easily glean from that, like things Christians ought to and ought not to be doing. Yeah. And like, again, we we, we consider that to be, instructions for like you know it's god's word right like so we consider it to be like impactful to our lives 
Well, I even think the philosophy of this podcast is that if you have a Christian worldview, you can think through literally any issue from that worldview. I mean, that's basically what we, we don't always do that. Like that's not always the goal of each episode, but overwhelmingly that has been like where we're at. That's basically what we're saying here, right? You read the God's word so well that the facts that you learn, like, like God does not delight in deceit. Okay. Well, that has major ramifications for things that maybe there's not a specific verse that says exactly don't do this exact thing. But you're like, oh, God doesn't del- delight in deceit. And so I'm not going to do this, this application of that, right? So I think like you immerse your, your eyes in God's word and you'll look at the world very differently. And you'll be able to obey God better. Like it's not just the person who reads the commandments. It's the person who brings all of that inside and then lets it shape how he does things that are not explicitly stated. So now here's maybe a question. Like, I think why a lot of people would probably be like, okay, yeah, like I get it. Like, you know, there's like, like these moral commandments, things like that. Yeah. But like, that, again, like, I don't think a lot of people might admit this, but like, okay, okay, I, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm, there's all these things I'm supposed to do, but like, <laughs> but how do I know what's, how long should yeah. I where to go to college? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not written down in the Bible. Like, Thou shalt go to Liberty University. That's right. No, I I think that's a good point is people, I would say that this is not groundbreaking for anyone. The reason people look for a a vocational will of God is because the Bible doesn't reveal what they're looking for. You know, it's not that they didn't look and they're like, oh man, it, it might contain what college I should go to. I just didn't check. They've checked. Now here's where they're at. You know, I think that's a good point to make. And my answer is still basically the same, is read God's word, which sounds dumb because we just said it's not going to tell you what college to go to. But it will shape your worldview. Again, that's so important. I, I think that Christians who in their devotions just like want to get like one basic point and they never put the picture together in their mind are missing out one of the great functions of the Bible. It's to orient us Godwards. So when I'm thinking through spouse, when you're thinking spouse, you think of what purpose do you have in this world? When you're thinking college, you're thinking what purpose do you have in this world? Career, you're thinking what purpose do you have in this world? And that's actually my worry with this, this view is that this vocational will is that it elevates amoral decisions over moral and makes us see the amoral and not see the moral things behind it. So like when I look at what cause to go to, I'm just looking for God to tell me, right? I just want him to tell me. I'm not sitting down and saying, what are the moral callings that God has on every Christian's life and which college will serve that better? Instead, I just, I'm focusing on the amoral and not seeing the moral behind it. Like you, you're on this, in this world for a reason. Yeah, and I think you're tugging at something there that's even maybe a, another deep-seated problem, which is like mm-hmm. how we think about things in like a very siloed manner, right? Where it's like, oh, well, like, well, it's just my job. Like, it's a big yeah. deal. But like, you know, like, what does that have to do with the Bible even, right? Like, the idea that like, there's this like division between like churchy or spiritual things and then like the rest of the world, like this like split between the two. There's a fancy term called dualism, um, mm. but define um, that term. Well, dual means two, right? <laughs> Which is like a split. Like there's this spiritual, like you know, there's the spiritual realm is higher and more holy. But the highest thing you can be in the world is to be a pastor because you're always in the spiritual realm. Whereas you know it, you, you know, know it. Or the like, you know, people that are like bus drivers are. <laughs> you know, living in the mundane and the secular and the worldly. But that's not the case, right? Again, I think you're right. Piecing together the worldview is such an underlying important element because, again, we we have to hold it all together. You know, Christianity, like we're a new creation, right? And so it's like, it affects all parts of our lives, right? And because God has written history, right? And 
he created all of it and all of it's under his domain. Like he has something to say about all of it, right? He created it and it was very good. And then Sin mm-hmm. came in the picture and kind of screwed all it up, right? And there's no, there's no neutrality. And so again, it's important that even if the Bible isn't telling you who to marry or where to live, it builds the worldview that helps you think critically and analyze your options and yeah. weigh the alternatives. And and that's what I mean by wisdom. That's what I mean by mm-hmm. by seeking out wisdom is seeking to to orient myself Godward. So like James says that if you pray for wisdom, God will give it to you. That is a promise. Does that mean that He'll tell you what job to take? I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I really don't believe. So I like that song, that rap, because he says, I'm not saying God can't do it. I'm not saying God won't do it. That might be the case, but it's not, it's not often. And, and it's not something that you can really rely on. Uh, it's not consistent and it's not objective. So God might not tell you, hey, guess what? This is the college to go to. But when you pray for wisdom, what he, what he will do, according to the promises of scripture, is he will reveal to you who he is, what he demands from you. He will help you to make a decision that glorifies him. I wonder if this even affects how we view location. Because people move for jobs, right? But there was this crazy realization. So Liberty has some of these crazy super Christians. No, I'm kidding. Like normal Christians uh, who love Jesus. And I, you know, I was around them and they were talking about like, Hey, I want to go to like Detroit. Oh, why? What's there? Unsaved people. And I thought, what? Like not a job, not a, like not family, not, no, like lost people are there. And that to me was like mind blowing. I'd never thought about it that way, but genuinely that's what it looks like. Now I'm not saying everyone has to move to Detroit because there's lost people there. There's lost people in every single city. There's not an entire a single city that's entirely saved in America and certainly not overseas. But they were thinking with wisdom. They were thinking, I'm on this earth, First Peter 2, right? God has brought for himself a people of his own possession that they might declare the excellencies of his name. I mean, that's why we're here. So they were thinking, okay, I'm here to evangelize. So this amoral decision, what city to go to, is now a morally packed one. Because I'm choosing to obey God through this amoral decision. Any of that ringing home? I I talked for a little bit there. It was sermon soapbox time. Yeah, I, know. I mean, I, I think you're right. Like again, there here is a biblical consideration on an amoral decision, right? Yeah, and uh, maybe that's a piece of knowledge or uh, a takeaway that we're really trying to impress upon the people here. So may, I don't know, like maybe um, to reframe the question, like so, like so, what are you telling me then? Says like asks the skeptic, like, are you telling me that I just, I just pick, <laughs> I just do whatever? Like so, like it's ultimately up to me to decide. Like is that is that what you're telling me? Hold on, I gotta grab something. It'll take me one second. All right. Well. Well, Josh is looking. Um, I think that we are, in fact, going to see that there is a lot of personal responsibility in decision making that sometimes it might be hard, but you have to just do something. Mm, Thank you for leading in. So I love recording right next to a bookshelf because that means that I literally have my hands on so many like illustrations. So let me just read the title to Kevin DeYoung's book. Just read the title. Just Do Something, A Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will, or How to Make a Decision Without Dreams, Visions, Fleeces, Impressions, Open Doors, Random Bible Verses, Casting Lots, Liver Shivers, Writing in the Sky, etc. This is a fantastic book. But essentially, he says his argument, and I have not made this argument, you have not made this argument on the podcast, I don't know if I would always make it, but I think it's interesting to think about is he argues that this focus on a subjective, no one can actually tell you what it is you're, you've been told, kind of God's will, is actually like a 
like a, a, a reflex against danger. It's us defending ourselves from the responsibility of doing something. So it's easier to say I'm waiting on God for college than going to college. And it's also easier to say, hey, I prayed about it and now I know than to say, hey, I made an informed decision. So (laughs) I've told this story all the time and maybe I shouldn't. (laughs) But one time I was in choir with Jay, youth choir. We were we were little singers and there was acting portions. And I was told by someone, one of the adults, hey, I prayed about it and God wants you to act in this skit and i said no (laughs) (laughs) josh how dare you say no to god (laughs) but that's the thing it's like what actually happened and i wonder and and i i believe their intentions i mean they're they're godly people but really what was what it was was like hey i actually think that i want you to and and i also did pray so I, I prayed and I want you to, therefore I prayed and God told me you would. Like that's what we do is it defends our, it defends our decisions from critique. We are not in control. Are you going to question God's authority? Because God yeah. told me this. God told me, and, and people do that like all the time. You can see video after video or even in person. People do this where they say, you know, you can't question this. This is something that God told me to do. Or I really feel that this is God's decision. And that's a slippery, slippery slope, y'all. It is. That's how you get Joseph Smith. <laughs> I mean, it, it actually is. I mean, we see this, not to call my own career under the bus, but I think that pastors need a healthy check on this because it sounds a lot better to say, I think the Lord's calling me away from your congregation than they're offering me more people and a bigger budget and a bigger paycheck. But... I honestly think that a lot of pastors leave churches and they say, I, I've heard this from, from, so I read pastors writings a lot. And so I read pastor resignations, right? I mean, that's just part of what they put out. And I've read pastor resignations where it said like, I wouldn't leave if I had my way, but God but wants God me to. is calling me and I have to obey. So did you see what it is? They didn't just say, Hey, I made this decision because God wanted me to. They said, I wouldn't have made this decision, but God wanted me to. And can I be honest? Like, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus because I've been this way. But to me, that's deceptive. You have reasons. You have reasons other than that. And yeah, so I I do think that part of this is taking responsibility for our decisions. It also means thinking through our decisions. Yeah, I mean, maybe not to share too many anecdotes here, but like (laughs) I think the classic example is like the Christian dating couple. And it's like, well, like, I think God just wants me to be single. Like God's telling us (laughs) that we need to break up or something like that, right? Because you don't want to say, hey, I don't want to date you because you smell bad or you don't have any (laughs) career prospects or you're fat, but like, it's no, like, but I I wouldn't normally, but God's telling me, yeah, I need to be single for a a season. See, you don't understand. You went to a military academy. I went to a Christian school, so different challenges, but this was the minefield of Christian dating. A lot of freshmen would come into my room because I was doing ministry there, right? And they would say, the Lord's work. they would say like my girlfriend broke up with me because she said that it was god's will for her to be single and i've literally heard that line at least four times in my so that's at least once a year which is alarming and then i would ask like how is she doing now and i think two out of four so at least half the time she was already dating someone else so i guess god didn't call her to singleness for very long (laughs) God moves in mysterious ways, Josh. <laughs> Absolutely. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. But yeah, so I mean, I think that is literally how, that's a great example. Those who are running in very, very Christian bubbly areas have probably actually seen that, is like, hey, like, I don't want to break up with you, but God wants me to. And then you start thinking, why does God not want me to have a girlfriend? <laughs> no answer there, buddy. <laughs> but i mean I, I, I it really is easy to do though where mm-hmm. i feel like for time i was like looking for like clarity about a certain decision and it was like i feel like i would be like praying 
and I would just feel myself like I would like try and force myself into this like super like solemn state and then just like mm. hang out there like waiting for an answer. And I realize now it's like I just like broadcast broadcast <laughs> my own wants and desires under it's the guise of holiness, right? But it's mm-hmm. like it's easy to do. Like humans are self-deceptive. Yeah. And I think that the greatest impact this has had on my life was when I would sin and I knew I was sinning. Like something that like was like, oh man, like I feel bad and guilty about. I would like find a random Bible verse and it really didn't matter what the Bible verse meant to say. As long as it had a passing resemblance to what I wanted to hear, (laughs) then it was it. It might have been a call to like, (laughs) I'm going to pick a really dramatic (laughs) one. I might have interpreted it as a call to a holy and set apart life. And it might have been talking about sanctifying the utensils for the temple, but it didn't matter, you know, like, and you might say, well, if you have any church history guys listening, you might say, totally legge. Augustine's conversion was him hearing take and read tole legge and reading a random verse. But I'll point out to you, he got the meaning right. He read Romans thir- uh, 13 or 14, I forget which one, uh, like, let there be no sexually immoral among you. And he was sexually immoral, and he was convicted of sin, and he converted. And even then, after he said, like, I don't think this is the best way of doing it. But yeah, I mean, sometimes this might not be the worst thing in the world if you're reading the Bible, but too often we look for signs in the Bible instead of meaning in the Bible. So that's my little anecdote. You had one, I wanted one. Fair enough. No, um, so... John MacArthur talks about, he has a really good sermon on this topic, knowing God's will. Oh, yeah. And he has six S's, right? It's mm. like he wants you to be saved. He wants you to be like spirit-filled. He wants you to be like saying thank you is one of them. Sufferer is one of them. I, will, I don't know all of them. But at the end, he kind of concludes and says, you know, if you are all of these things, right? Like you are seeking to conform your life to the will of God, right? You are walking with him, right? And and continually shaping your life in that manner. Then do whatever you want because yeah. if you are walking in holiness and striving to be more Christ-like, then your whole again, your your whole worldview and your whole like outlook on life and your thought process and the, your wisdom that you exercise that's all being shaped by the word of God, such that like your desires are aligned and attuned to God's desires so that you can yeah. trust your gut in a sense, right? Like you can say, hey, I, I've met this girl and, you know, she's a believer. She's, we, you know, we believe similarly, like our the- theological beliefs are similar. Like we have similar views about our family. I like her. Yeah. Let's get married. And I don't have to wait for the billboard or like, you know, the crazy constellations to align or whatever. Um, it, but yeah, you, you can have confidence in knowing that, you know, this is again, an amoral decision, but I feel inclined to do this. I feel good about it. I, I have a desire yeah. to do it. So I'll do it. <laughs> See, and I would say, I would call that a scripture shaped conscience. So mm. another fantastic book I should recommend, it's called Conscience. I don't remember the author, maybe next podcast, I'll mention it just in passing. Essentially, they argued that we do have a conscience. There are Bible verses for it. But the conscience is broken with sin. And the more exposure to scripture it gets, the more aligned it gets to where it used to be. So the more we know scripture, the more we can trust our gut. And I agree with John MacArthur on that. I agree with John MacArthur on a lot of things. Honestly, I think that I my goal, my hope, is that someone listening was very much like me and and was very invested in this system and they are now experiencing relief. Like I'm not saying that our words can like break the chains of bondage or whatever, but like <laughs> I hear those chains breaking. I don't know. That's some sort of song. Maybe we should do one on worship oh. music. Uh, huh. That deserves a takedown. No, I'm kidding. Or am I? I'm not. But I, I hope that someone listening does feel re- relief like man i felt relief when i started i actually it's funny enough i the reason i stopped believing in this 
was because I was asked to teach a to lecture for an hour on God's will. And afterwards, I just felt after like studying, I felt relief because I was like, oh, everything that I need to please God is in God's word. None of it's hidden. None of it's hiding. And there are amoral choices. And I have to choose wisely and own my decisions. Like there, it's so much simpler, I guess, is what I would say. Indeed. Indeed. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the, the payoff pitch here is that like, there's no real secret. Yeah. Read your Bible. Do what it says. Love God. And decisions are kind of yours to be made. <laughs> and I think there's, yeah, I mean, that's freeing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, it is. I mean, it's scary because you have to make decisions and defend them. But it's freeing in that if you were genuinely looking for God to communicate in subjective ways, hearing that all you need is what he's objectively given you in the word is amazing. I mean, it's a breath of, of fresh air. Also, you should listen to Symbols and Signs by Beautiful Eulogy because it's a great song. Let's say if we're throwing recommendations out there, John MacArthur, the sermon I reference is very, very good. Uh, Kevin DeYoung's book that you shouted out is Just very, do very something. good. Mm-hmm. He has a couple of like YouTube lectures that are, like, I think are by the same title. Oh, cool. That are very good. John Piper has a good sermon about knowing God's will or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, for those looking for more eloquence than what you found here, check out those guys because that's kind of who I studied from. Right? Yeah. That's how I got formulated a lot of my thoughts about this. So, so I'm going to ask Alex to add in right now for our closing music instead of the normal, put in some symbols and signs. If oh, wow. Copyright infringement. I was going to say, I don't know if we can do that. If we can't, enjoy the beautiful melodies that Alex has created for us or, or found for us. But if not, enjoy Symbols and Signs. Tell me, how does a Christian begin to develop discernment and wisdom? First, we submit every symbol and sign to the authority of the scriptures. Copyright alert. Copyright alert. Copyright alert.